Good morning. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning by way of social media. We have all had to adjust our lives and uh, for much longer than expected, but we will get through this. Uh, I want to encourage you uh, for a couple things. First of all, those of you who have been looking forward to Nerf Wars, I know the kids out there have, and the big kids too have been looking forward to Nerf Wars. We are going to reschedule that as soon as we know that we can get back together. So be watching for information on that. Also, some of you are probably asking about Easter. Uh, the staff is already talking about maybe some creative ways uh, to have Easter with our church family. So be watching for uh, updates on that. Be watching on our, uh, for our Friday updates. Uh, Pastor has been sharing with us things that are going on and, and, and uh, going on with the culture even. So uh, check in on uh, Friday for that update in that message. I want to encourage you to check in, in on your neighbors and your church family. Use this time to get to know those around you better uh, and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, we're going to pray in just a moment and then Kevin Knight is going to come and share some scripture reading. So if you would bow your heads uh, and close your eyes there in your living room, wherever you're meeting with us, and just take a minute to get quiet before the Lord. And then there's some things I'd like to ask you to pray about. So if you'd bow your heads. Take a moment to pray for our governing officials, uh, the president, for uh, down to our local government leaders, that God would give them wisdom. Pray for those that are dealing uh, with this virus, whether it be the individual who has it, family members who are dealing uh, with that situation. Pray for our health care uh, personnel who are dealing with this, uh, that God would keep them safe. Pray for those that have already lost loved ones uh, in this situation. Uh, I'm sure they're grieving, and just ask God to give them special peace. God, we thank you that we have these capabilities to get together as a church family by way of social media. Thank you for that, God. And we pray that uh, we would get through this. This is hard. It's difficult whenever we have to adjust our schedules, uh, when things are different and change. But God, sometimes those are your ways of getting our attention in a special way. So God, don't let us look at this as... Uh, an inconvenience, but God, maybe something that we can learn from that you would teach us. God, give us wisdom. Maybe there's a relationship that would not have happened um, had we gone about uh, business as usual. That maybe there's an opportunity for us to get to know a neighbor, uh, to get to know our family better. Uh, God, whatever the case may be, I think through all of this, that we take it and we say, God, what is it you want to teach me? God, we thank you for all you do for us. Be with us today in a special way. Uh, be with our church family. God, we miss them. We miss being together. Uh, I know I do, uh, but I pray, God, that uh, as we uh, meet this way together and soon, hopefully, as we get together again, God, that we'll look forward to it, and that will be a very special day uh, to come back together as a church family. God, uh, just be with Pastor today as he brings the message. God, use his words to challenge us. Uh, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Good morning, church family. Let me add uh, my thoughts of missing you all as well. And again, as Kevin prayed, we so look forward uh, to being with you again uh, as well. Um, but listen for now to these words of Scripture where Jesus was teaching us not to worry. This is recorded in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6, starting in verse 19. And if you have your copy of God's Word and want to follow along, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, we'll read through the end of the chapter. Jesus says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Where your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat what will we drink? What will we, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, good morning, church family. Uh, we are so grateful that we can come to you in this format as Pastor Seeger and Pastor Knight have already uh, mentioned. Uh, it's very difficult not being able to fellowship with you face-to-face. -face. We are looking so forward to the time that we can gather uh, together again as the body of Christ. 
Let me take a moment before I get into the message of thanking you for your giving during this period of time. Uh, many of you have been giving online and uh, you've also been mailing uh, your offerings in to the church and we're so grateful for that. In fact, your giving recently has just been amazing. It has surprised all of us in a, in a great way. So we're very thankful. Uh, as Pastor Seeger mentioned, we're talking about some special plans for Easter. And as part of Easter, I don't want you to forget our Annie Armstrong offering for North America uh, missions. Folks, we desperately need to give to Annie Armstrong. Uh, North America, as we see every day, is in great need of Christ. We have missionaries and pastors out there across the continent planting churches, and the North American Mission Board is heavily involved right now in relief efforts. And so they depend upon our giving so that they can continue their ministries. And so as we are leading up to Easter, I want you to also think about Annie Armstrong, not just our church offerings, but Annie Armstrong uh, as well. Wherever you are right now, I want to ask you to take a moment and go find a copy of Scripture. If you do not have a copy, I will be reading this morning from the New Living Translation. And I'll be in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about valuing what God values. Valuing what God values. Before we read our text, I, I do want to say what somebody mentioned on one occasion. is probably a pastor who said this, but it's true. 80% of a good sermon is the congregation. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant by that was that we feed off of the eye contact and the expressions of our people. Obviously, we're missing that right now. Pastors all over the land are preaching to empty rooms. So I do hope you'll bear with us. It's an adjustment process uh, for all of us. Now, if you would take your copy of God's Word in 1 John chapter 2, listen to what John says. John says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let's pray together. Father, we want to ask your blessings on the preaching of your word. This is your word, your inspired word. And you have promised that it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you please. Father, I pray that you would use this passage today to speak to your people, to challenge our hearts. God, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross, that we would see Jesus today, 
and see him high and lifted up and we would be drawn to him. For we pray in his name. Amen. In his book, The Heat, Steelworkers' Lives and Legends, Joe Gutierrez talks about all of his years spent working in a steel mill. He talks about one room in particular. It was a room where large sheets of steel would roll out on pads and rollers. It was in a cooling room, and he said it was a place everybody wanted to work because of this glowing, glittering uh, these, these flakes that were coming down seemingly out of the sky like glistening snow in a dark backdrop. He said it was a beautiful sight to see and everybody flocked to that. But he said little did we realize that what those flakes were was asbestos. He said today I'm dying. When I get up out of my chair and walk to the kitchen, I'm completely out of breath. He said, the other workers, my co-workers, are experiencing the same thing. He said, what we loved, what we desired, was actually our undoing. Folks, doesn't that apply to what John is writing in this passage? That's John's message in this text. John says, love not the world or the things that are in the world. Folks, we need to be very careful what we set our affections upon. Now, I want you to think about what John has just written in this letter. If you'll let your eyes scan to the previous passage, you'll notice that he's writing to encourage new believers that their sins have been forgiven. And then he's writing to encourage more mature believers of the fact that they've overcome the evil one and that the word of God abides in them. And then he writes to encourage older believers of the faithfulness of God. They've been through many valleys and ups and downs in their lives and one thing that older believers can testify to is the faithfulness of God. God has always been there for them. But now he turns their attention to warnings. You see, the battles are not over. They may enjoy forgiveness. They may have overcome the evil one. But this does not mean that the days of their trials and temptations are over. The believer has to live with a constant vigilance. We're always drawn into the lure of the world. We live in the world. We operate in the world. We work in the world. We raise families in the world. We're very much a part of this world. But John is saying this world is not to be a part of us. Our affections and energies are not to be wasted on the world and the things of the world. Folks, this past week I had a worker at my home working some on the outside of my house he's a member of our congregation here and I said Jamie I want to ask a question uh, of you I said now don't misunderstand this question as pastors we don't want to take polls and say what do you want us preaching on we're to preach the Word of God 
we're to give faithful exposition of the Word of God. But I do think it's helpful from time to time to ask people, what is it that you're struggling with? What would you like to hear from the Word of God? And so I asked him this question, and he gave me a great answer. He said, Scott, I think right now God is trying to get our attention and tell us that we're not to love this world. The world is fading away. The things of the world, we live in a fallen world. And he said, hopefully right now, if anything, this crisis has taught us that we can't put our faith and trust in the things of the world. He said, hopefully people will use it as a time to get back to their relationship with God if they've grown cold in that and to reconnect with their loved ones. He said, we need to love the proper things. You know, I thought that was a great answer. And when he gave that answer, I couldn't help but think about John's words here. And so my conversation with Jamie was the inspiration for this message this morning. Again, I want you to look at what John is saying here. First of all, he's giving the mandate. He's saying, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. Love not the world. Lest you think you no longer have to worry about the world, I would remind you of what the Apostle Paul wrote to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. At the end of his life, Paul's in a cold, dark prison and he's all alone. And listen to what he says to Timothy. He says, Timothy, do your diligence to come to me uh, quickly. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica. Now folks, think about that. Here was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. He had traveled with Paul, we would assume, in his missionary journeys. He's heard the Apostle Paul preach to his congregations. He's probably read the letters that the Apostle Paul has written. He stood by his side so many times in the spread of the gospel. And yet, what does Paul say here? Demas has forsaken me. And he's turned back to this world having loved this world, and he's gone to Thessalonica. How about you? Maybe you made a good start with Christ. Perhaps you had all kinds of dreams and aspirations about living for the Lord. But somewhere along the way, there's been a slow drift back to the things of the world. Now, you've not meant for this to happen. It just has. And if that's you, hopefully this period of time that we're going through is going to cause you to do a gut check and get your priorities back in order. You know, Jesus also told a parable about this. You may remember the parable of the soils. Jesus is talking there about a farmer and how the farmers of the day, they would, they would wear a sack on their side and it would be filled with seed and they would walk about scattering their seed indiscriminately. And Jesus said some of that seed would in, inevitably fall on the hard paths, some of it would fall on the shallow soil, some of it on soil with uh, weeds and thorns, and some of it on good soil. Do you remember the application? 
We don't have to try to figure out the application because Jesus gave the application himself. Jesus said that the seed is the word of God. And when the word of God is preached, it falls on many who are like the hard soil. There's no penetration whatsoever. This is the person who is totally hardened to the gospel. And then there's the seed that falls on shallow soil. Here's somebody who makes a quick emotional response to the gospel. Maybe their eyes are filled with tears. But they've not counted the cost of being a disciple. Other seed, the seed in question, falls on soil with weeds and thorns. Jesus said the weeds and the thorns represent the cares and the concerns of this world and the riches of this world. He said that the cares of the world choke out the influence and impact of the Word of God. You see, folks, that's what the world does. We get so busy about the commitments of life and the things of the world that we don't even see it coming. We don't even stop and realize that the influence of the Word of God and God's call upon our lives has been pushed to the back burner. It's subtle. It, it happens without even realizing it sometimes. If you can look at your life and see how there were once things that you wanted to do in your spiritual life, but those things got crowded out by everything happening around you in life, that may be a sign to you that this is happening. It's a slippery slope. It's a slow fade, as one contemporary Christian song says. Now... I want us to think about what John means and what he doesn't mean when he says, don't love the world. We know that John is not talking about the world of nature. Because the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Folks, we've all sat out on a beach or been up on the Blue Ridge Parkway and looked at the beauty of God's creation and we've thought about what an awesome God that we serve. And we remember that it's God who created this earth and the universe. And after each day of creation, he said, it's good and finally very good. And so we know that John's not just talking about creation unless you've begun to worship nature or the creation. John's also not speaking about the people of the world. In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. We need to love the people of the world, and we need to love them so much that we share the good news of Jesus with them. What John means is that we're not to love the present evil world system. Paul writes of that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, tr uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. 
Now, folks, where does the spirit of this age come from? Well, Paul talks about that in Ephesians 2. He said, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So where's the spirit of the world come from? It comes from Satan, the evil one. Paul said in Ephesians 6, we, we don't battle just against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. That's the world that John says here that we are not to love. We're not to love the spirit of the age that Satan has created or that, that Satan has spread, I should say. You know, Jesus said in John 15 that the world will hate us because it hated him. Ha have you noticed the problem the world seems to have with, with Christianity? It's because Christianity has absolutes. Christianity says this is right, this is wrong. God gives us, a, he gives us commands. People don't like to be told what to do. And Christianity obviously proclaims for us that there's only one way to the Father and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we live in a world that doesn't like absolutes like that and so Jesus said the world's going to hate you because it hated me. John says this is the world that we're to hate. This world system. He breaks it down a little bit more. Notice the three things that he mentions. He refers first of all to the desires of the flesh. The flesh lusts after things for mere pleasure. And folks, he's not just talking about sex here. He's talking about materialism and a host of other things that the flesh says, if it feels good, do it. Then he refers to the desires of the eyes. How easily we can be captivated by the things we see and, and we tend not even to understand the true value of things. I want you to think about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. A neighbor pulls out of his garage in a shiny new Corvette or a shiny new Mercedes Benz and what do we want? We want a new Corvette or new Mercedes. We visit a friend's lake house. We wish we could have a lake house. We're not content. We're never content. We want more. We get more and what we get grows old. It doesn't satisfy us. It's a never-ending cycle. And we even find ourselves sacrificing God and ministry and family and finances just to have more of this world. Folks, it's sad, but it's true. Somebody once wisely said that, that we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we may not even like. Why? Because that's the way of the world.
And then John says, worst of all, I think, is the pride of life. This one might be the worst because it gets right to the heart of a man, to his spirit and his soul. It's pride, the pride of life, pride of possessions. It's been defined as man's ego. Man wanting to exalt himself and be more important than he try to be more important than he really is. John says these are the things we see in the world. These are the things that the lost man chases after and what Satan even tempts believers with. We end up valuing the wrong things. Just look around you today at what people value. It takes something like we're going through right now to cause us to pull back and take perspective and ask ourselves, is my life going in the right direction? Am I putting a priority on the right things? Am I living for God? Am I living for the glory of God? What if I get this, this virus and get sick? What if I die? Well, folks, one day we will. Are we going to stand before God and it will be revealed that we've put a priority on all the wrong things? Ask yourself during this crisis, what am I living for? Like Jamie told me this week, let, let this time be a gut check for you. Do you have the right priorities in life? Folks, why does it take a crisis to, to get us to think about things like this? We ought to constantly evaluate this in our lives. For some people, maybe there's, there's a long line of broken relationships or just many ways that, that you've gone off the rails in your life. You've lived for the wrong things, misplaced priorities, misplaced values, not valuing what God values. And Christians, don't kid yourselves by thinking that you and I can't be touched by all of this. Because Satan uses all three of these things that John mentions here to tempt us and to try to captivate our energies. I want you to remember, John is writing to Christians here. He's speaking these words to believers, giving them a warning. Now, let me say that what John is not saying either is that we need to pull out of the world and live in little monasteries and have nothing to do with being in the world anymore. This social distancing that we're going through right now is not to be a normal pattern for the Christian life. It may be necessary right now for a temporary period of time, but folks, it's not to be the normal way of life. We're in the world, but not of the world. And we've got to maintain that careful balance. I want to invite you to be honest with yourself right now and ask, is there that right balance? 
Secondly, I want you to see with me the motives for this mandate that he gives. When he says, don't love the world nor the things of the world. He says, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. What's John saying there? Well, he's pointing out how the world chokes out faith. It strangles the important aspects of of life right out of us. A life that is spent pursuing the things of the world is a life that is not spent pursuing God and the things of God. You know, life is limited. We've only got so much time, so many resources what are, you, what are you trading a day of your life for? What am I trading a day of my life for? John expresses here in the second part of verse 15 that love of the world actually shows hatred to God. He says here, if you love this present world, then that's an indicator that the love of the Father is not in you. In fact, James 4 says if you're the friend of, of the world, you're the enemy of God. Those are sobering words, are they not? Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. God can't be your master while the world and the things of the world are your masters too. You can only have one master. John points out in verse 16 that the world is not from the Father. Again, John speaking of this evil world system that's made up of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He's saying this is not not of God. And then he points out in verse 17 the world is passing away. As much as you might be into this world and the things of this world, notice what John is saying. It's temporary. It's going to fade away. 2 Peter chapter 3 talks about that. That this world, one of these days, is going to be burned up and God's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. This current world is not going to last. No wonder the missionary Jim Elliott said, He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. The world is dying. The phrase that it's passing away is a present tense form of a Greek word meaning to disappear. And what John's indicating is that this world is already, even now, in the process of fading away. Think about that. Those who are of the world and enemies of God will share the fate of what they're trusting in. 
On the other hand, John says here that the one who does the will of God abides forever. Isn't that great? In Revelation 21, John's going to say, I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was, there was no longer any sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away this current world is fading away even now but look at what God is going to create the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. What are we living for? Hopefully we're living for that day and we're looking forward to that. And we're not investing simply in this world. We're not loving this world and the things of the world. We're putting a priority on God. In closing, before I give you some lessons some applications of this text. I want to share with you a testimony I found. It's a testimony of a young man and, and he says that when he was growing up, whenever his family would go out to dinner and there was the possibility of ordering dessert and apple pie was on the menu, he said, my dad would always tell me, son, do not order the apple pie. Sometimes I would want to order the apple pie, and he wouldn't let me. He said, why? Was dad being selfish? He said, no. Everybody knew that my mom made the best apple pie anywhere around. And dad knew that any pie that I bought out somewhere wouldn't even begin to compare to mom's. And he wanted me to have the best. Folks, that's what God wants of us. Not to put our affections in something that's fading away. He wants us to live for the best. Now, let me give you a couple of lessons quickly. What's a believer to do right now? First of all, as we think about applying this text, Keep your focus on God and stay in God's Word. You see, the advantage of staying in God's Word is that you're constantly being reminded in His Word what God desires. We live in the world daily, but by being in God's Word daily, we're constantly being pulled back to what God values. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God will take care of everything else. Just before that he said that 
that we're to be laying up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't corrupt, where thieves can't break in and steal. And, and we might add today where a virus can't diminish it either. We're to put our treasures in heaven. So keep your focus on God. A second lesson, hold on to the things in the world loosely. Is there anything in the world that you feel like you absolutely cannot live without? Well, that might be a sign to you that you've been holding on to it too tightly. Hold on to the things of this world loosely. Thirdly, give to God. Nothing creates in us a loose hold on this world like giving. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. We are never more like the world than when we are takers, and we're never more like God than when we are givers. Giving helps us to keep the perspective that we're not owners. We're stewards. Today, perhaps you need to say, God, help me to turn loose more of my love of the world. And help me to love you more. Help me to value what you're about. And to live for that. Perhaps today you would say, until now, I've, I've been that person totally focused on the world. And I need to come to Christ. I need a relationship with Him. Come to Him. Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us for focusing on what we shouldn't and running from what we should embrace. Lord, help us to, to turn away from a love of the world and the things of the world and to embrace you and everything that you desire in our lives. Lord, we know that Satan is a deceiver. If he can get us focusing on what we should not have, he can occupy our lives and get us off track for even years, maybe even decades. God, help us to wise up and not waste our lives. May our lives be a living sacrifice for you. And Lord, I want to pray for that one right now who would be courageous enough and honest enough to say, I need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, His Son. Lord, I pray that it would be the prayer of that person right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. From this moment forward, I want you to live your resurrected life in and through me. I want to follow you as the Lord of my life. Lord, help that person to have a new beginning in Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.